please be advised. We will be discussing subjects that may not be suitable for all audiences, and will include subjects that some will find challenging, traumatic, or triggering. Welcome to You Don't Fight Alone, a podcast sharing the stories of those of us successfully living with mental illness and how we got here. So, I mean, the reason I'm in Denver is because of a rock bottom. Um, so I worked in, at, like I told you, at Geek Squad. Um, I'd been at Best Buy for four years since the day I retired. Um, and man, I can't speak more highly of a crew of people, um, management and employees alike that were so open to what I went through and were willing to understand and at least discuss it and, uh, I mean, when things happen, they'd move me around. But my last year I spent as Geek Squad manager, and that kind of wore me down. Um, since I moved there, um, even in my first interview, <laughs> the general manager, um, he asked, hey, would, you know, do you really want this job? Because you seem like you might be a little more, like, above this kind of level for what we're looking for. You might be a little higher than our part-time guy. And I was like, no, nah, you know, I'm, I'm looking just fresh out of the Army. Um, but I mentioned to him how I'd always wanted to help veterans. Well, four and a half years later, I'm at a veterans event. There's this lady standing there, and my best friend's working a table. She goes, hey, they're looking for an outreach person. So I was like, well, I don't know. My friend goes, well, let me just mention your name, and we'll see what happens. Four hours later, I get a call saying, hey, send us your resume. So I send in my resume, um, and they immediately were like, coming for an interview did interviews um so i got hired by mississippi united and homelessness to find veterans get them housing and boy was that like getting hit with a baseball bat of reality you see the shit like the i i've been homeless myself 20 20 years ago six months lived out of my car i was 20 i i could handle it not a big deal took showers friends houses it, it it's not like when you're 45 and you can't be going around going hey man can I borrow your shower let me sleep on your couch it's not how it works so I started helping with that um and my anxiety was already I was already having some issues some depression issues um depression is a pretty big deal for me and December 17th um I just I, I broke I I mean, I'll, I'll always remember. I mean, I can remember October. I can remember December better because I wasn't drunk. But I'd been drinking again recently. And December 17th, I just... I, I was done again. And I grabbed my pistol. And rather than doing anything stupid, I just locked it in my glove box of my car and I called the suicide hotline. And I said, I need help. And I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I'm a VA patient, but it's two hours away. Um, that's not the first time I've called the Veteran Suicide Hotline. If anybody hears this, that is a great resource um, for people to use. Amazing people um, that do their best to help. Um, and they said, hey, do you have anybody that can take you? And I said, no, because um, I really didn't want to put the situation I was in. I didn't really want anybody to see me because I was 
I was about as disheveled as I've ever been disheveled in my life. <laughs> and so, um, got to the hospital, uh, had a friend who, uh, has a mom who works in the mental health area of, in our town. And so they messaged me a couple times after I said I was going, got to the hospital, uh, ended up an inpatient at the psych ward, uh, for seven days, um, in Memphis. Um, and that job, I mean, in two months, it, it, I, I could never do that again. I, I couldn't. Seeing the limited amount of funds that they receive, uh, the easiest way to put it is I paid like $850 a month for a one-bedroom apartment where I lived, which is about average. Not bad. It was a really nice apartment. I could have gotten one cheaper for probably about 700 They were only giving out about 450 so, I mean, we were moving guys into places that I wouldn't sleep in. And I'm a, I'm an ex-paratrooper. I'll sleep pretty much anywhere, but I'm not sleeping in a shithole if I don't have to. And watching these guys getting put in shitholes, couldn't do it. Uh, seeing landlords agree. And the big thing that happened is I had a landlord agree to something on, like, Thursday friday they basically were backing out but we had already moved the person in and the whole weekend you know it started friday late friday night and by saturday i just i couldn't do it i, I, I do not deal well with humans that do not follow through on their end of bargains you know if you you say show up at seven i'm here at 650 that's who i am if i had shown up and you guys don't show up till 720 i'm probably not staying because they're not obviously engaged in what we're doing. Um, my name's Robbie. Um, diagnosis is, uh, if you go by the most recent, um, would be PTSD, um, major depressive disorder, and then generalized anxiety disorder. Um, that's the most current, but I've been through, you know, the whole bipolar, maybe you're this, maybe you're that, but right now that's kind of set on the, those three. So growing up, uh, never had a lot of issues when it comes to mental health, um, here and there, maybe some anxiety issues, but uh, joined the army um, after delving into no college, just working, um, venturing into the darker side of things, you know, did some drugs, stuff like that. Then found out that that wasn't where I want to go, so I just decided to join the army. Um, <clears throat> joined, was in for two years before deployed, no, about a year and a half before we deployed, went to Afghanistan. Uh, Afghanistan was great, spent the whole time on the road, um, or most of it as a mechanic. Uh, my job was to ride along with the infantry platoons and fix their stuff on the road. So that's what I did. Um, came back from that and started having some, uh, well, at the time I didn't know what it was. Uh, it was, I just drank a lot and whatever was going on went away. So I just continued drinking, um, met my soon to be wife, 
then found out we were getting shipped to Iraq. Um, basically got home from Afghanistan knowing we were leaving for Iraq. I met her. Leave for Iraq about it's like 11 and a half months, 12 months later. Um, my first one was about 12 and a half months. This one was supposed to be 15. So we left. Um, this one was a lot different. Um, it was boring. The first one was on the road, constant stuff. Um, that's when I started realizing that something wasn't right in my brain because I had all this free time. You know, I worked in an office. Um, I wasn't on the road. Um, so as this free time started to develop, I started to develop more and more anxiety, um, issues dealing with other people, frustrations, quick to snap, um, which isn't me. I'm a real, really laid back guy, uh, even for a military guy. I am, I am, I'm pretty chill. And, um, it was getting bad, but we came back. Um, during the time I was in Iraq, long story short, we were about to lose our housing as single guys pay, which is like $900 a month, which I was using to pay for my, at the time, fiance's house with her two boys. So we just said, screw it. We got married on the over the phone. She had to fly to, of all places, Denver, Colorado, and go and do it over the phone and my brother's best friend was here and he signed my marriage certificate so so I come home I'm married um I think it was less than 24 hours before I was drinking again and it just got worse and worse and worse so over the next six months it it got to the point where suicide is where I was at and so October it's like October 22nd um October 22nd, 2012, I sat on my trampoline, um, my, I think my daughter was six months old at the time, put her in bed, went outside on the trampoline, racked my 45, I was just done, I couldn't, I, I didn't, I, and unfortunately I wasn't thinking of anyone at the time except for myself, you know, because had I been able to think of anyone else, I would have not done that, uh, sitting there. And there was only one person I knew I had to call and I just called my mom or she called me. The night's kind of a blur. I was pretty drunk. Um, basically she talked me out of it, talked me into talking to my wife at the time and then getting my command. And by about nine o'clock the following morning, my command was about three hours away and they were on their way to see me. Um, and that started my first hospitalization. I did have a little bit of substance abuse with, uh, man, nobody knows this. Literally nobody knows this. At the last, like, probably six months in the Army, they were loading me up with opioids um, for my legs. And I wasn't the best at taking them um, the proper way. Uh, a lot of that had to do with the fact that I showed up for formation at, like, 7 in the morning. And that was the last thing I did for them until four o'clock in the afternoon. It was my job to fill the rest of the day. And they were paying me $65,000 a year to do that for a year and a half. Um, but the, detoxing myself in a shower, that's pretty, pretty low point for me. Um, I literally detoxed myself over a weekend after abuse and wanting to stop. 
I was in the shower with the heat on, and then I would get cold, so, you know, you turn the heat on and the shower, and then you get hot, so you turn on the cold, and it was just this vicious cycle for about 72 hours. I'm sure probably super unhealthy to do it by myself, but you can't really in the Army when you're just, I was like 30 days away from retirement. You can't come in and say, I'm a drug addict. I need help. So I figured I'd just do it on my own. That was pretty rock bottom because uh, uh, my daughter had been living with me for about four months. And so she went back to live with her mom after that because when I left there, I lost my house. Cause I lost, well, I, I quit my job, went to file for unemployment, and they said, no, first of all, you quit. Second of all, um, some thing about, I, I can't remember what it was. It's one of those government things where they send you a list of things and you're just so overwhelmed that I was in this I, and I was already overwhelmed with everything else. I was like, screw this. So when I didn't get $1,700 a month or whatever, um, I basically went to my landlords who luckily were family friends of mine, basically my aunt and uncle in Mississippi, uh, through friends. And uh, I just said, I'm not gonna have the money to pay you. I don't know what you want me to do. I'm more than happy to leave you know, a good portion of my stuff in the house, you guys can have it and we can call it even. And they were like, that sounds good to us. Super friendly. I mean, they know they've been through a lot of this with me over the last four years. Um, and while I had been in, um, inpatient, I called my buddy that lives here in Denver and said, uh, remember that offer for me to come out and stay with you that you keep on bugging me about for the last two years. Cause he moved here two years ago. Yeah, I'm gonna need to. I'm gonna need to take you up on that one, because <laughs> um, I mean, in Mississippi, uh, I just didn't have a place that I felt comfortable going. You know, everybody's married with kids. Didn't want to put myself in that situation. Um, the couple out here don't have kids, and I'm really good friends with both of them. But so yeah, that's rock bottom. Um, Um, I mean, right before my knee surgery, I had a rock bottle, well, right after my knee surgery, I tried to find a b bottle of pills and eat that because the, but that was more pain than mental health stuff. That was the physical, my knee, um, it, it just seems like every time it's something else. I've had the pleasure of having this care in five states now. And I'll tell you that the less progressive the state, the more you have to fight to get any type of new care. Mississippi was still, even as the VA is still kind of behind the times and things. Um, let's use a great example, marijuana. Um, Yes, it's not great for everyone. I completely agree with that. I don't think you should be smoking it till after you're 25. I made the mistake of doing that before. But I think if you wait till you're 25 and your brain cells are good, I think you're f free free to toke. Um, <clears throat> but it has been such a blessing for me when the VA decides one minute they can give me benzos, the next minute they can't, the next minute they can, the next minute they can't. Well, you know what? 
I got one thing that'll work. And yes, it works for me. It doesn't work for everybody. Yes, some people go crazy on it. It can lead to psychotic episodes. I understand that. But if you're careful with it uh, and you do your due diligence with it and speak to those that know what they're doing, there's, there's a lot there. But in Mississippi, I had a doctor who said that my stomach issues were caused by marijuana. Even though my stomach issues started in 2009 and he's like well were you smoking back then sir i was in the united states army uh first of all they piss test all the time and second of all i'm not going to lose my career that's an absolute no win situation for me i'll drink alcohol i will drink 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 but there's just no and here when i get here i tell people i smoke at the denver va and it's like okay well what are you using okay now is it helping Okay, it's helping? Okay, cool. Then keep doing it. In, in, in Mississippi, it was, well, we think the marijuana is hindering. And I was like, you realize that if with all these medications you guys take me off, take me on, all this stuff, the one thing that remains constant and always helps is marijuana. And, it's, and I found some strains that don't help. They raise my anxiety. I'm not going to lie that it, not all of it helps. But once you find the stuff that works... It's just like any other medication. You're, you'll, you'll let me take all these prescription medications that are costing the VA. And today we found out I've been on 17 medications in the past five years. 17 different mental health medications. You've got a, mis a miscommunication to the doctors that have been there a long time. And saying to them, you all either need to catch up with the times or you need to go. Because I guarantee you, if some of these doctors were, st were still doing some of the things in a regular hospital, they'd be asked to leave. And I'm not saying I know doctors well enough to be saying, hey, you should be doing this, you should be that. But I'm sure a guy who's been doing the same thing for 70 years and is still a doctor at the VA probably should catch up to the times. Because I've had a couple of them that I just go, no, I need a new doctor. You, you and I are not going to get along at all. I've been on 17 different drugs and I'm... And so today, uh, my doctor and I, um, in the past, she's mentioned this, uh, it's called TMS. Um, it's therapeutic magnetic stimulation. So think electrical shock without the and hangover. Like you can drive home afterwards. Um, she's like, well, I'm going to have to get this thing. I'm going to have to have you apply to it. I've been on 17 different mental health medications in the past five years. I'm pretty sure that should guarantee me to get in. Well, you know, it's a new program. It's it's just, it's this whole thing. I'm working on it right now. Hopefully she's, gonna, she's bringing it to the board. I've had a five-minute description of it. I haven't done a lot of investigation into it, um, but it's basically large magnets that they place on certain parts of your brain and I don't know what it does but from what she told me it has given some proven results and one thing I do know about the VA um, and this might not have always been that way maybe it's not for other people but they seem to occasionally bring in some stuff from the outside world that helps I mean I did acupuncture through the VA I did yoga through the VA uh, I did cycling through the VA I've done a lot of things you know, that aren't necessarily medical treatments that you wouldn't think the VA would have it. Um, you know, I'm having trouble working now, so applying to a work therapy program where you get paid to work 
um, and find you a new career and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of new stuff out there. It's the matter of getting the older docs because my younger doc now, I mean, she she can't be older than 28 or 29. She's definitely younger than I am. I mean, I'm 40 in two weeks. She's definitely younger than me. But, I mean, when I said I was open, she was surprised because I think most guys aren't. But after 17 medications, uh, what other choices do I have? I don't want to be on benzos my whole life. Yeah, that's an absolute no-brainer for me. I mean, I don't even take opiates anymore because of my past history. Um, I don't know. I don't want to be doing that my whole life. I mean, I've done hypnotherapy. I have do- I have literally done everything. Uh, cognitive behavioral. Uh, what's the other one? Cognitive behavioral therapy. There's CBT, CPT, cognitive processing therapy. I've done exposure therapy. I've done EMDR. I've done some of the... I, I hate to... Re- I don't know what you refer to it. It's a more Eastern... I don't know how you explain it. Um... The guy was more into the Buddha. I don't know how you refer to that without... I don't want to be rude to anybody. Uh, I did the whole John Kabat-Zinn mindfulness course, uh, which was high suggestion for anybody. It does help lower my anxiety if I catch it in the right time. Um, and it does help prevent uh, if I do it before events, usually. So I'm big into the meditation. But uh, yeah, I've kind of just done it all like i i don't like i said when i went into that doctor and she's like do you want to try this sure she's like what what you don't even know what it is i don't care i'm at the point where i don't care i mean they're they want to draw my blood send my genes off to see what kind of medication might possibly work because that's where we're at we're at the we're at the end of the the tunnel and it's still a brick wall so we're going to try to knock that brick all down somehow And that's another frustrating thing because you go to a new doctor and they're like, well, did you try this? Yes. Did you try this? Yeah. And then it takes them two weeks of looking at your records to believe you. And you're, she's like, yeah, you really pretty much have been on everything. I started getting help in about 2010. That's when I started noticing a problem. When did I start working on it? <clears throat> I tried to start working on it right away. Um, so that, you know, not October where I went into mental health. I mean, I was in there for 45 days. And within a week I was drinking after that. Well, two months later I had my knee surgery. I'm done. I want to take a bottle of pills. So where do I end up back in? Another 30 days. That one went a lot better, came out a lot, you know, it was more focused on my PTSD and some of my major issues. Um, and I didn't drink. Um, I actually stayed sober and pretty much for about two years. Drank for like a month when I got to Mississippi and then stopped again until last October. Honestly, I think I started 100% dealing with my mental health on December 17th of last year. It's five months ago. <laughs> Um, before that, um, 
I always put other people first. Always. Um, I mean, the minute I retired, it probably wasn't a great idea to move straight to Mississippi and get a job and jump right into the civilian life. Like I remembered it before. Um, it, there was probably better options out there at the time, but being close to my daughter was the only thing I could think of. Um, cause that's important to me more than anything. Um, like m literally more than anything was, I, I didn't have a job. I visited there twice. I did not like the area. I do not like the South. No offense to the Southerners. I love the people. I love the food. The weather can go fuck itself. And I don't deal with tornadoes. I, I, I no, nope, nope, nope. So, I mean, there's bugs that are like the size of your hand and spiders that like chase you and shit. Um, no, no, it's like Australia of America. Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I really think that the actual dealing with it was when I sat down with my ex-wife and her husband and said, as much as I want to be here for my daughter, I don't want to be here as an alcoholic falling apart. I'd rather go somewhere because I didn't have anywhere to stay there after I lost my house. So it, it, Denver was the place. So I sat them down, said what I was going to do. I trust them more than I trust anybody in my life with my daughter. And you know, we kind of work some stuff out on money and stuff like that. And they were amazing. And I think that gave me the confidence to really focus on me, go somewhere that I wasn't picking up my daughter four times a week and focusing on where does she need to be? Where's, you know, how is she feeling? Um, as shitty as that sounds, um, and people, I hope they understand that was the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. There's never been a, I joining the army not that hard getting married not that hard deciding to have a child not that hard leaving your child fucking hard uh hardest i mean i left my parents crying to go to iraq left my ex-wife crying to go overseas didn't bother me having to make that decision just having to make that decision knowing that decision was there makes you feel shitty because you feel like you're failing that you have to make that decision um but now that I'm here, it's no easier. Um, but thank God for Apple. I never thought I'd say that. Um, but they make a great product and they're FaceTime and I get to talk to my daughter all the time. Um, but you know, it's still hard, but now I, I, I mean, now I have the time I'm unemployed. Um, I, I'm unemployed because I can't work. Um, I mean, it's, it takes enough medication and a couple of joints to just get over something like this, let alone something where someone's going to be yelling at me. And I mean, here we're just hanging out. So it's a lot different than other situations. Um, but now I have the time to try other therapies. I didn't have that time before. I mean, I was working 50 hours, 40, 50 hours a week since I left the army. So now I have the time and the ability to focus on, me and see where that takes it. In in all of this, in, in like my mental health area, yes, I've made I've made wrong decisions. Um, I've listened to doctors when I know I shouldn't have listened to doctors. 
I've changed medications when I know I shouldn't have changed medications. There's a lot of stuff that I've messed up. I've, I've, uh, there was a good period where I actually lost so much trust in the VA that I left the VA and wasn't getting treatment. Then I went in and started paying for treatment. Even though it was free outside, I used my insurance and was paying about $100 a visit. Um, was pretty happy with that until they decided to call me bipolar and put me on lithium. I'd been on lithium in the past. Um, but, I mean, any type of lithium, Depakote, any of those that I've been on, um, I can't do. I can't, I'm not me. I mean, you can give me benzos. I'm on a benzo right now. I'm fine. But you put me on those, I, I can't think. My brain just doesn't connect. I can't do school. I can't compute at work. It, it's just a it's a bad area. But yeah, I've made I've made poor decisions. I mean, starting drinking again last year, absolute stupid decision. I know what that does, but I mean, and now, as I told you in the email, um, it doesn't bother me because I've made the decision this time that I'm not going to drink. I'm just not. I, I see where it put me last year, and I hope I can remember that. But you don't always remember when it comes to those, like that depth of despair bottom. You don't always focus on the things that put you there. I'd say watch your buddies closer. I've had a eight friends uh who've killed themselves in the last about seven years um i um what else i mean i think if i could have put the bottle down um probably would have been the biggest um the other thing was to quit um, worrying so much about what other people think and get help when you need it. Um, cause I mean, I, I delayed getting help. I mean, I should have gotten help when I got back from Afghanistan, but I mean, literally you're getting off the plane and they're like, Hey, don't forget you guys have your physicals and everything tomorrow. Make sure you watch out what you say. And that's the, that's the nonchalant way of telling you be careful what you say because what you say gets recorded and what gets recorded is what gets in your file. What gets in your file is what gets you kicked out of the army. Take care of you. Take care of you and your family. That's it. That's the only thing you have to do. If that means you need to get a job, get a job. If that means you need to file for VA benefits, you know, you, I mean, but really when it comes down to it, getting out, there is so many things you could tell people. Like, 99% of you won't be prepared. 99% of you have gone to all these army classes and not paid attention. Document, document, document all your ills before you get out. And then go to the VA when you're done. And don't stop going to the VA until you get every single thing either fixed or whatever. Um... I have a buddy now who's been fi out five years, and he absolutely qualifies for probably close to 100%, which is $3,500 a month, and he's too afraid to go to the VA. He just doesn't want that stigma. You know what I mean? It, and 
if I could tell everybody, I guess that would be the one thing. Fuck the stigma. That That's my one thing. Fuck it. Fuck what everybody else thinks. Fuck what they say. I mean, it's just like it. It's just like coming on here today for me. I, there's, I'm gonna tell my friends. Listen, here, here's what I was on. Here's the podcast. Listen to it, because at this point, I, I, I don't care. And if you get to that point that you don't care what people think, it's a lot easier to go to those appointments and not feel weird. If if that makes sense. Because um, I'll be honest, my first few VA appointments, you're sitting in there and you're looking around and you're like, whoo, maybe I shouldn't be in here. It's a, you know, you're in there with guys that are missing legs and, you know what I mean? And you, you get into some situations and, but yeah, you just don't minimize what you've been through um, and and document it. I minimize mine it, just because I've never been shot at by a rifle. I've been shot at by rockets. You know, I've had situations where I didn't know if we were going to have to shoot people. Luckily, I never had to fire my rifle. You know, I, I don't claim that that's where my PTSD comes from. I mean, I, mine comes from the fact that I feel like I didn't do as much over there as I probably could have. That makes sense. But also, you know, the changes in who I am as a person is a big factor. I've told my story to pretty much every friend that I've encountered to try to just let people know so they understand how I react and that some of the things I do aren't on purpose. Um, you know, I might act real short with you. It, it has nothing to do with you or anything else. I, I, I sometimes act out and it's, it's terrible. Um, so first of all, uh, I think it's great to sit down with the person and let them tell you what they need. Um, and it's not so much, it's not so much of what you need because for me, no one can give me what I need. That makes sense. Um, I'm in a position where there's, there's really nothing another human can do that's not involved in the medical field or something of that sort. But what you can do is you can just be their friend. I mean, that's that's where I'm lacking the most, I feel, is in solid connections with people because I don't take shit. You lie to me, we're done. There, there's, I don't, I don't, I've, this, I've literally realized that this life is way too freaking short to allow people into my life to do stuff like that. That's, an, that's another side effect of PTSD is that I used to be, I'll do anything for anyone. I'll still do anything for anyone unless you fuck me over. And then I'm done. And it used to be that I would just continue to get screwed over every time, every time. Now it's, nope, you need to go. I'm I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, offer your help. Offer your services. Um, I, I deal with some guys right now um, that have some issues that are friends of mine. And one of the things that I've found that teen, tends to work out is... Uh, just like the text I got from my best friend this morning, who's in Jackson, Mississippi. And he said, uh, just thinking about you, man. That's it. You know, and that, that, that that's just, 
That's it. And it doesn't have it. And it's not all the time. Don't do it every day. That gets old. I've had people that are like really pushy about it. If someone says, Hey, you know what? I don't think I really need help right now. That means that they're probably good, but that doesn't mean to leave them out there to just tread water alone. You know, but, um, just be friends. That's, I mean, that the people that have saved me, um, over the last six months, I mean, are people that I'll hold dearly because you're reminding me that I'm not by myself. Cause that's the worst part is when you feel like you're at the end. And I'll tell you every time that I've been at that edge for suicidal, it's because I feel I don't have any friends. really you know like the last little bit about what other people can do um it doesn't even have to be for that one person um it could be for uh, as an organization so i i do a uh, i got involved in mississippi with a 22 mile ruck march because 22 veterans a day it's eight thousand a year uh commit suicide that's it's more like 18 19 now but we no one really knows for sure so we just stick with the 22 um so we do a 22 mile ruck march um just to raise awareness um and i have a young lady that comes out to it every year who puts in her best effort and never finishes but you know what fuck that the fact that she comes out and goes left right left right left right left right left right left right for as many miles as she can until her body stops only because she wants to show me support, that's what you can do. Go and get involved. If you have a friend that has PTSD issues, go and get involved in a PTSD program volunteering. And then when you run into them, hey man, how you doing? Ah, what have you been up to? Oh, well now I'm volunteering at this PTSD thing. You know, kind of understand what's going on. Man, I, now I'm starting to understand more. You know, when people do that, rather than coming and making me tell my whole story again, or read a book there's lots of them they make paper ones too for more information and to donate please visit you don't fight you don't fight alone is sponsored in part by mentally chill an improv team talking about mental illness and how it's so hard but no one likes to bother anyone about it be prepared to be bothered Find them on Facebook.com slash Mentally Chill Improv, Instagram at Mentally Chill Improv, and at Voodoo Comedy beginning this September. The You Don't Fight Alone podcast is a production of You Don't Fight Alone Incorporated, produced and engineered by James Fisher and Keaton Lycom. The information presented by You Don't Fight Alone is not intended as medical advice. If you have mental health questions, please talk to a mental health professional.